You can turn on your TV set and enjoy a story well told by the experts we've met today. Or you can be the expert by picking up a book. When you read a good book, you're the producer, the director, the actor, even the special effects magician. You bring the book to life in your imagination. Space. The Final Frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast, Gimme That Star Trek. It's ongoing mission to explore all of Star Trek, to seek out new guests and new opinions, to boldly go where many have gone before. Welcome to episode 40 of Gimme That Star Trek, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. And I'm calling this one The Table Read. I'm your host, Siskoid, and today is the result of a little something we did in the early days of the quarantine. It's really the brainchild of my then roommate and our guest today, Chloe Armani. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We've talked about this for a while and we didn't I didn't know if we would use the audio from this table read to create an episode, but the sound was good enough, so I decided why not throw it out there. Before we go any further and, and dis, you know, actually describe what we did, Flo, the listeners need you to show your Star Trek cred with our usual quiz. Oh my. Uh, well, what is your personal connection or origin story with Trek? How did you get into it? Uh, watching it with my dad growing up, which I imagine must be a pretty standard answer. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's it. I recently picked it back up and decided that it was something that I was genuinely interested in and not just like by proxy. And, and now you're a Trekkie. Yeah. The second question is, what's your favorite iteration of the show? Well, I mean, it's it's got to be TNG. It's the only series that I've really involved myself with so far. And so one you've seen entirely, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. What's your favorite character, either from that iteration or, or from Star Trek generally? I mean, it's got to be Data, right? <laughs> I, I think it has to be, although uh, you could have you could have gone with lore, which yeah, you know, really. <laughs> I remember you seeking out those episodes yes. that that lore was in. Very excited to see the bad boy on the screen. Yeah, what is it with you and um, and not bad boys as far as, as as relationships, but it's bad boys as from a, a motherly perspective. Yeah, is that what it is? Well, I don't know. I just like the kind of conniving, kind of comically evil presence that lore brings because he's hard to take seriously okay <laughs> uh that's brent spiner's you know natural comedy yes, coming out absolutely. yeah so, and what's your favorite alien species from the show uh you're not gonna like this very much but i like the no? shape-shifting folks like odo is oh really so you uh, just tasted enough of ds9 to enjoy the changelings it's very interesting well i hope that whole storyline once you discover it entirely is to your liking. I hope it doesn't leave me disappointed. <laughs> no, I hope so. So let's get into the topic of the show, which is the table read. First things first, you know, basically what we did, and let's let's explain it to people, <laughs> is that we got some friends together online in like week two or three of the quarantine. Yeah, very early and, on. And we uh, basically, you know, read a script, a Star Trek TNG script. <laughs> with people different, doing different parts. So what possessed you to, to do a table read online like that? 
Well, I think I got the idea. I was looking, and this is absurd on its own, but I think I was looking for <laughs> scripts so that I could make cosplay TikToks. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So I was trying to source scripts online to get audio to match it and to know exactly what I had to say to lip sync along and create some kind of cosplay content. And I came across Brothers, which is a, a data lore episode, so I was obviously interested in that. And that's initially what I wanted us to read, but it's not the most interesting thing to read as a group. Like, it's an interesting episode to watch, but to do it at a table where there's the, the crew is, is split up most of the episode is not the best. So then you suggested to do um, The Measure of Man, yeah. It does have data at the center of it. Yeah. It's a very it's a very emotional episode, uh, and it doesn't have so much action. I think Brothers has doesn't it have all that whole bit where Data is like possessed exactly. and, and <laughs> so defeats I, the crew and yeah, yeah. I didn't find that super interesting as a reading. No, I guess the first step was casting. I mean, you know, once you decide that you're going to do it as a table read, mm-hmm. and it makes sense, especially in the early days of the quarantine, I feel like we're, <laughs> everybody was looking for, you know, remote activities. Yeah, I've definitely tapered off on planning things, but I used to do quite a few. Uh... You did like a bingo, yeah. you did, uh, I'm trying to think what else, but <laughs> oral presentations. Yeah. So <laughs> we, we did a number, I didn't participate in everything, but uh, uh, you were quite the cruise director there for a while. Yeah. Once you decide it's going to be a table read where we, you know, like uh, an event where you invite people to do it. Did you have a strategy as far as casting went? Well, I think we're in an interesting standpoint, like a position to be in you and I, because most of our friends have been involved in theater in some form or other. Yeah, either theater or improv. Yeah. yeah. So I felt pretty confident in just opening this up and saying, we're doing this. If you want to be involved... This is the time and place to do it. It's your home. <laughs> and uh, you pick a character and we'll do it. Right. I picked Riker, uh, as you'll hear, because we we are going to play this this audio eventually. I picked Riker because he had a big role in the story. And mm-hmm. as a as a Trekkie, I felt, you know, I, I, I felt like I had to, to show up yeah. uh, to this. And uh, he is my favorite TNG character. But he's also a character I can't really do the voice of. So I, I felt it when I was doing it. I was like, well, I can't do Jonathan Frakes. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't have that voice. I, I think my wharf was much better. Mm, but he's, yes. he had like two lines or yeah. something. It was really fun to see people get into it. Like I was a little nervous about certain people speaking up to take certain roles. And then they started talking on the call. And I was like, oh, this is fantastic. Yeah, I think I think maybe the be- the best or the most uh, the most fun uh, person in there was maybe uh, Michael Bobble Plourd, who is a friend of ours, or a friend of mine at least, who I have never had on a podcast before, although I have threatened to have <laughs> him on to talk about his complete Spider-Man collection. That could be something. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got, like, from the Amazing Fantasy right up to, to I guess, today. I, I don't think he stopped. I would like to have him on for that, but he had so much enthusiasm for the part of Captain Picard yes. that he chose, you know. So one of the th- the three big roles, I guess, the three or four big roles in that episode are Picard, Data, and Riker. And then, I guess, Commander Maddox, Maddox or yeah. is like the, the, the fourth part of that 
of that ensemble. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, mean, I guess Filippo Louvois. So there's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, there's some five roles. If I mention the cast here, so just to give credits, and you can chime in with your appreciation <laughs> of them. <laughs> so we had Bobble as Captain Picard. So committed. It was it was really fun. Yeah. He's always done voices. Like, even in, in high school, he used to do, like, he had, a, like, a Michael Jackson impression. He oh, had my. A, okay. <laughs> you know, if you do a karaoke, he's going to do Meatloaf. He's going to do two, the two voices, you know, the whatever that song is. <laughs> yeah. He does the woman and he does uh, Meatloaf, Meatloaf, the man. Meatloaf well. Okay. So, we had Bobble as Captain Picard. We had uh, Maxim Ashe as Data. Yeah. Who I was nervous about casting, as he's my partner and his English can be kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say weak, uh, just he can have a really strong accent, so I was worried about that coming through since Data has so many lines, but he did good. I think he did well. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. And he has something of that android <laughs> nature, you know, in, in real life. Yeah. yeah. Then we had a lot of Oh Hot Who Are Not Girls. Yes. So the network knows them on this, including Isabelle as the uh, JAG captain, Philippa Louvois. Yes. We had Elise as uh, both Bruce Maddox and Guinan. Yes. I feel like two sides of a coin. Yep. So we regendered Bruce Maddox for this. And I think that works for Elise because she's such a, she's so academic. Yes, she did. She really loaned that piece of her to, to Maddox as a character. And she was very well-spoken. And that It worked. And then uh, DJ Nat was Dr. Pulaski. Yeah. And Amelie was both Wesley Crusher and the voice of <laughs> the, the computer. computer. Yeah. She did less like Majel Barrett does it in TNG and more like, Working, you know that that's <laughs> sort of that sort of tone that the original series gave the computer voice, yeah, with more stops, you know. So uh, it, it's kind of cute. Uh, and then we had Bass, my co-host from Zero Hour Strikes, as both Jordy and <laughs> O'Brien. Yes, coming through with that Miles O'Brien accent. <laughs> he, he had a really good, you know, Irish accent. Really like, good, yeah. Specifically, O'Brien's, you know, not not the. Leprechaun accent from no, it wasn't cartoonish. No, 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 it was. It I felt real. It felt pretty good. Yeah, and uh, and you played Admiral Nakamura, sort of a service role, and you read the stage directions, so yes. we hear you throughout yeah. as well. Uh, and I have to say, we did switch scripts. Yeah, didn't we? The script I ended up finding was like an original draft. It was Dorothy Fontana's original, and then I, you know, I was you know, looking at it, and it was missing a lot of the lines I loved that mm-hmm. made the episode. So I feel like there were changes in between the film, the you know, the writing and the filming, and maybe some actors brought something to it, the director brought something, who knows? Yeah. There's script editing going on. Because she gave roles to everybody in the cast. So originally we'd cast Deanna Troy, but then... Yes, oops. when we noticed that she wasn't actually in the episode. We... <laughs> She's not in the episode. So no. Personally, I was on the fence. It's like, oh, is it interesting? Because people who eventually listen to this, if any, would would hear how the episode would have been if we'd, they'd done the script. Yeah, and kind of note the differences. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but then this is an episode I love so much that I needed all those lines that were then missing. I felt like there was a lot more emotional weight yeah. in the finished product. So I ended up doing a little bit of both. You know, I rewrote, I took a lot of the stage directions from the original script, which were not in, say, a, a straight transcript. Yeah, that which I also the, found yeah, which is the dialogue, yeah. It was easier to describe what was going on without the images. So, mm-hmm. uh, And closer to what probably the table read was at the time. Yeah. Uh, we're going to listen to the result of this experiment, and then we'll come back and talk about the experience. Sounds good. 
measure of a man. Star date, 4252.3.7. Original air date was February 13th, 1989. Exterior, space, the Enterprise, optical. En route to Starbase 173. Captain's log, Stardate 42523.7. We're en route to newly established Starbase 173 for port call. Rotation is scheduled, and we will be offloading experiment modules. Interior, Enterprise, Data's Quarters. Pulaski, LaForge, Data, wearing a dealer's shade. O'Brien and Riker are sitting down for an evening's entertainment. Hold it. That's my chair. My luck is always lousy unless I start on the dealer's right. That would seem to be superstition. Bitter experience has taught me that's fundamental truth. Okay, the game is five-card stud, nothing wild, Eddie up. This game is exceedingly simple. With only 52 cards, 22 of which I will see, and four other players, there are a limited number of winning combinations. There's more to this than just cards, Data. Of course. The bets will indicate of the relative strength of each and. Time to pluck a pigeon. Kate starts the betting. Five. I'm in. I, too. Call. The first lot of face-up cards are dealt. A seven and a six and the ace. I bet ten. See that? Call. Hold. Yeah, me too. I'm out. Another deal. Riker is showing the ten, jack, and five of hearts. Data has two queens and an ace. I bet five. Same. You're five and five. Data sees the bet. Too rich for me. Final card. No help. He gives himself the four of hearts. O's all around. I bet ten. You're ten and ten. We discover that Data has a third queen. He looks at Riker. Is that what is known as a poker face? Are you playing or not? I fold. Riker's whole card was the two of spades. Busted. You had nothing. He bluffed you, Data. It makes very little sense to bet when you cannot win. But I did win. I was betting that you wouldn't call. How could you tell? Instinct, Data. Instinct. The game is seven's card high-low with a buy on the last card. And just to make it more interesting, the man with the axe takes it all. Exterior. Space. The Enterprise. Docking at Starbase 173. Starbase 173. Restaurant. It's very high-tech. Picard sits alone at a table. Before him is a cup. He suddenly straightens in his chair as a beautiful woman in her late forties enters. She is in a Starfleet uniform, which clearly is a surprise to Picard. She is very poised, very professional, and she scans the room as if searching for someone. Her eyes light on Picard, and a funny, ironic little smile curves on her lips. Picard rises and walks up to the passway to join her. My God, Philippe Louvois! I'm back in uniform. It's been ten years. But seeing you again like this makes it seem like fifty. If we weren't all around these people, you know what I'd like to do? Bust a chair across my teeth? <laughs> After that? Ain't love wonderful. They sit together at a table. So, what are you doing out here? I'm in charge of the 23rd Sector JAG office. We're brand new. I have no staff but one terrified little ensign. Hopefully we can make some good law out here. Anything is possible. So you came back to Scarfleet. Still the most exciting and worthwhile place to be. You had no reason to leave. They forced me out. No, that was your own damn stubborn pride. 
When I prosecuted you in the Stargazer court-martial, I was doing my job. Oh, you did more than your job. You enjoyed it. Not true. A court-martial is standard procedure when a ship is lost. I was doing my duty as an officer of the Judge Advocate General. You always enjoyed the adversarial process more than arriving at the truth. Well, I hope you've learned a little wisdom along the way. You know, I never thought I would say this, but it's good to see you again. It brings a sense of order and stability to my universe to know that you're still a pompous ass. And a damn sexy man. Enter Admiral Nakamura with Commander Maddox. Captain Picard? Admiral? Captain Louvois, you're acquainted with Captain Picard. Oh yes, we're old friends. Excuse me, Picard, call me. You can buy me dinner. Philippa exits. Captain, it's good to see you again. Admiral? May I present Commander Bruce Maddox? Commander? He has an interesting proposal for you, but that can wait for a while. I'm eager to see the Enterprise. Yes, sir. This way. Interior. Main bridge. Admiral on the bridge? I was a little surprised at the decision to put a base in force so close to the neutral zone. As you know, we've had disturbing news from both sides of the zone. We're here to respond when needed, and it won't hurt to have the Romulans know that we're nearby. Well, Captain, I want to thank you for this opportunity. For 500 years, every ship that has borne the name of the Enterprise has been a legend. This one is no different. Admiral? Oh yes, Captain. Commander Maddox is here to do some work on your android. Please take care of him. Nakamura leaves. How have you been, Data? My condition does not alter with the passage of time, Commander. The two of you are acquainted. Yes, I evaluated Data when it first applied to the Academy and was a sole member of the committee to oppose my entrance on the grounds that I was not a sentient being. What exactly will this work entail? I am going to disassemble data. Interior. Observation lounge. All right. Explain the procedure. Ever since I first saw data at the entrance evaluation at the Starfleet Academy, I've wanted to understand it. I became a student of the works of Dr. Noonien Soong, data's creator, and I've tried to continue his work. I believe I'm very close to the breakthrough that will enable me to duplicate Dr. Soong's work and replicate this. But as a first step, I must disassemble and study it. Data is going to be my guide. Data? It sounds intriguing. How will you proceed? I will run a full diagnostic on data, evaluating the condition of its current software. I will then dump its core memory into the Starbase mainframe computer and begin a detailed analysis of its construction. You've constructed a positronic brain? Yes. Have you determined how the electron resistance across the neural filament is to be resolved? Not precisely. That would seem to be a necessary first step. I am confident that I will find the answer once I examine the filament links in your anterior cortex. But if the answer is not forthcoming, your model will not function. I do not anticipate any problems. <sighs> you seem a little vague on the specifics. What are the risks, the commander data? Negligible. Captain. I believe his basic research lacks the specifics necessary to support an experiment of this magnitude. Mm-hmm. Commander Data is a valued member of my bridge crew. Based on what I've heard, I cannot allow Commander Data to submit himself to this experiment. I was afraid this might be your attitude, Captain. Here are Starfleet's transfer orders separating Commander Data from the Enterprise and reassigning it to Starbase 173 under my command. Data, I will see you in my office tomorrow at 0900 hours. Interior. Ready room. The door chimes. 
Come. Data enters. You sent for me, sir? Picard returns to his desk, seats himself, and regards Data intently. Data, please sit down. Well, we have a problem. I find myself in complete agreement with that assessment of the situation, sir. Your service to this ship has been explanatory. I don't want to lose you. I will not submit to the procedure, sir. Picard rises and seats himself on the corner of the desk, closing the distance with Data. Data, I understand your objections, but I have to consider Starfleet's interests. What if Commander Maddox is correct? There is a possibility that many more beings like yourself could be constructed. Sir, Lieutenant LaForge's eyes are far superior to human biological eyes. True? Then why are not all human officers required to have their eyes replaced with cybernetic implants? Picard is utterly at a loss for words. We can see the confusion on his face as he struggles for an answer to this unanswerable remark. Data rises with great dignity. I see. It is precisely because I am not human. That will be all, Mr. Data. Data leaves. Picard jabs open the comm on his desk. Computer, pull all relevant information with regards to Starfleet regulations on the transfer of officers. Working. Page after page of regulations begin to scroll across the screen. Picard, knuckling his chin, studies them in frowning abstraction. Interior. Jag office. Philippa at her desk working. Picard enters. She looks up in surprise. My god, twice in as many days. I need your help. A historic moment. I've been trying to make sense of this gobbledygook, but it's beyond me. The fact is, my android officer, Data, is being transferred compulsory to be made part of a highly dangerous, ill-conceived experiment. And I want it stopped. He can refuse to undergo the procedure, but he can't stop the transfer. Once this Maddox has got control of Data, anything could happen. I don't trust that man. We agree to certain risks when we join Starfleet. Yes, acceptable risks. Justified risks. Well, I can't accept this. It's unjustified. It's unfair. He has rights. All this passion over a machine? Don't start. This is important to me. Is there an option? There is always an option. He can resign. I see. Philippa suddenly rises and comes around to the desk to Picard. She is very close. Her body language is one of yearning. But her voice still has that flippant tone. So you came to me for help? Yes, I came to you. You're the JAG officer for this sector. I have no choice but to come to you. He starts to leave. Wait! I didn't mean it that way. I'm glad that you felt you could, well, come to me. Well, trust just isn't in your vocabulary, is it? Good try. Nine out of ten for effort. I wish things were different. I wish I could believe that. Interior. Data's quarters. Data is packing a very small carry case. Its contents include a small hollow projector that displays an image of Tasha Yar, an impressive collection of medals. He puts a book on the desk and then Maddox walks in without even knocking. Data comes back with another item to find Maddox reading. When in disgrace with fortune and men's eyes, I all alone beweep my outcast state. Is it just words to you or do you fathom the meaning? Is it not customary to request permission before entering an individual's quarters? I thought that we could talk this out, that I could try to persuade you. Your memories and knowledge will remain intact. Reduced to the mere facts of the events, the substance, the flavor of the moment, could be lost. Take games of chance. Games of chance? Yes. I had read and absorbed every treatise and textbook on the subject, and felt myself well prepared for the experience. Yet, when I finally played poker... I discovered that the reality bore a little resemblance to the rules. And the point being... 
that while I believe it is possible to download the information contained in the positronic brain, I do not think you have acquired the expertise necessary to preserve the essence of those experiences. There is an ineffable quality to memory which I do not believe can survive your procedure. Ineffable quality. I had rather we had done this together, but one way or the other, we are doing it. You are under my command. No, sir. I am not under your nor anyone else's command. I have resigned from Starfleet. Resigned? You can't resign. I regret the decision, but I must. I am the culmination of one man's dream. This is no ego or vanity, but when Dr. Soong created me, he added to the substance of the universe. If by your experiments I am destroyed, something unique, something wonderful will be lost. I cannot permit that. I must protect his dream. And so must I. But keep backing, because one way or the other, you will be reporting. Captain's Log Supplemental. Commander Bruce Maddox, having been fought by Data's abrupt resignation, is now seeking a legal remedy for his woes. Captain Louvois has requested my presence at those discussions. Interior, JAG office. Philippa seated watching Maddox preambulate. Picard, rigid with fury, stands nearby. Philippa is expressionless, listening to the arguments. Your response is emotional and irrational. Irrational? You are endowing data with human characteristics because it looks human. But it is not. If it were a box on wheels, I would not be facing this opposition. Overt sentimentality is not one of Captain Picard's failings. Trust me, I know. I will tell you again, Data is a valued member of my crew. He is an outstanding bridge officer. If I am permitted to make this experiment, the horizons for human achievement become boundless. Consider every ship in Starfleet with the Data on board, utilizing its tremendous capabilities, acting as our hands and eyes in dangerous situations. Look, you're preaching to the choir here. Why don't you get to the point? Data must not be permitted to resign. Data is a Starfleet officer. He still has certain rights. 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 I'm sick to death of hearing about rights. What about my right not to have my life work subverted by blind ignorance? We have rules of law in this Federation. You cannot just simply seize people and experiment on them to prove your pet theories. Thank you. Now you're doing it. Data is an extraordinary piece of engineering, but it is a machine. If you permit it to resign, it will destroy years of work in robotics. Starfleet does not have to allow the resignation. Commander, who do you think you're working for? Starfleet is not an organization that ignores its own regulations when they become inconvenient. Whatever you like it or not, Data does have rights. Let me put it another way. Would you permit the computer of the Enterprise to refuse a refit? That's an interesting point. But the Enterprise computer is property. Is data? Of course. There may be laws to support this position. Then find it. Ruling with such broad-ranging implications must be supported. Philippa, I hope you will use the same zeal that you did in the Stargazer court-martial. Interior. Ten forward. Data is very neatly undoing the wrapping of a present. Data, you're supposed to rip the wrapping off. With the application of a little care, Wes, the paper can be utilized again. Data, you're missing the point. Now that he has carefully removed it, Data rips the paper in half, then reads the book title. The Dream of the Fire by Kuratok. Thank you, Worf. It was in the hands of the Klingons that the novel attained its full stature. I couldn't disagree more. 
We'll save the argument for another day. Excuse me, please. Data goes over to Jordy, who is sitting on his own. Is something wrong? Of course there is. You're going away. No one regrets that necessity more than myself. You do understand my reason. Sure, I understand. I just don't like you being forced out. It's not fair. As Dr. Pulaski would at this juncture. No doubt. Remind us. Life is rarely fair. Sorry, that just doesn't make it any better. I shall miss you, Jordy. Yeah, me too. Take care of yourself, Data. Interior, JAG office. Picard and Riker are present to hear the outcome of the research into Data's status. I have completed my research based on the acts of Cumberland passed in the early 21st century. Data is the property of Starfleet. He cannot resign or he cannot refuse to cooperate with Commander Maddox. What if I challenge this ruling? Then I shall be required to hold a hearing. Then I so challenge. Convene your hearing. Philippa is taken back. She is not prepared for this. Captain, that would be exceedingly difficult. This is a new base. I have no staff. But surely, Captain, you have regulations to take care of, such as eventuality? There are. I can use serving officers as legal counsel. You as the senior officer would, would defend. Very good. And the inevitable task of prosecuting this case would fall on you, Commander. As the next most senior officer of the defendant's ship... I can't. I won't. Data's my comrade. We've served together. I not only respect him, I consider him my friend. When people of good conscience may have an honest dispute, we must still sometimes resort to this kind of adversarial system. You just want me to prove that Data is a mere machine. I can't do that because I don't believe it. I happen to know better, so I'm neither qualified nor willing. You're going to have to find someone else. Then I will rule summarily, based upon my findings. Data is a toaster. Have him report to Commander Maddox immediately for experimental refit. I see. I have no choice but to agree. Good. And I expect you to do your duty in that courtroom. If I find for one minute that you are not doing your best, I will end this and there. You don't have to remind us of our duty. You just remember yours. I have never forgotten it. Not then, and certainly not now. Interior. Ready room. Picard at his desk with the reader on. The door chimes. Come. Data enters. Data, Captain Louvre has issued a ruling. You are the propriety of Starfleet Command. You cannot resign. I see. From limitless option, I am reduced to none. Or rather, one. I can only hope that Commander Maddox is more capable than it would appear. Data, you're not going to submit. We're going to fight this. I challenge the ruling. Captain Louvre will be compelled to hold a hearing. She may be overly attached to the letter of the law, while I suspect that she will still understand its spirit. We will put to rest this question of your legal status once and for all. Now, I've been asked to represent you. If there is some other officer with which you could feel more happy? Captain, I have complete confidence in your ability to represent my interests. Interior, computer room. Multiple computers surround Riker. Some screens are filled with legal decisions, others with technical jargon. Riker calls up information on one, makes a notation on his pad. Computer, identify Riker, William T. Access code Theta Alpha 2737 Blue. Enable. Riker, William T. Identified. Ready. Access all available technical schematics on Lieutenant Commander Data. Working. Then up pops emergency manual control and Data's off switch location is displayed. Riker is excited at this new information, hmm. then realizes its implication. Hmm. Interior, courtroom, high-tech room, 
Picard with Data seating at their table. Riker and Maddox to their right at another table. Philippa enters. This hearing convened on star date 42527.4 is to determine the legal status of the android known as Data. The Office of the Judge Advocate General has rendered a finding of property the defense has challenged. Commander Riker? Your Honor, there is only one issue and one relevant piece of evidence. I call Lieutenant Commander Data. Data goes to the witness chair and puts his hand on a scanner on the table. Verify. Lieutenant Commander Data. Current assignment. USS Enterprise. Starfleet Command. Decoration for Valor and... Your Honor, we'll stipulate to all this. Objection, Your Honor! I want this thread! All of it! Sustained. Valor and gallantry. Medal of Honor with clusters. Legion of Honor. The Star Cross. Proceed, Commander. Commander, what are you? Data looks to Picard for guidance. Picard nods to him as an answer. An android. Which is? Webster's 24th Century Dictionary, 5th edition. Defines an android as an automaton made to resemble a human being. Automaton. Made. By whom? Sir? Who built you, Commander? Dr. Nunyan Sung. And he was? The foremost authority in cybernetics. More basic than that. What was he? Human? Thank you. Commander, what is the capacity of your memory, and how fast can you access information? I have an ultimate storage capacity of 800 quadrillion bits. My total linear computational speed has been raised at 60 trillion operations per second. Riker moves to his table and picks up a steel bar of great thickness. Your Honor, I offer in evidence Prosecution's Exhibit A, a rod of par steel, tensile strength, 40 kilobars. Philippa inspects the exhibit and hands it back to Riker, who hands it to Data. Commander, would you bend that? Objection! There are many life forms possessed of mega strength. These issues are not relevant to this hearing. I'm afraid I can't agree, Captain. Proceed with your demonstration, Commander. Data bends the heavy rod neatly into a U-shape. Philippa again inspects it. Drawing on the log record of the construction of the prototype android lore, also constructed by Nguyen Sung, I request to be allowed to remove the commander's hand for your inspection. Objection! It doesn't matter. Objection. Withdrawn. Proceed, commander. I'm sorry. Riker twists and pulls off Data's left forearm and hand, hands it to Philippa for inspection. The commander is a physical representation of a dream, an idea conceived of by the mind of a man. Its purpose is to serve human needs and interests. It's a collection of neural nets and heuristic algorithms. Its responses, dictated by an elaborate software program written by a man. Its hardware, built by a man. And now, and now a man will shut it off. A flick of the hidden off switch, and Data slumps across the table. Pinocchio is broken. Its strings have been cut. A horrified silence descends. I request a recess. Granted. Riker walks to his chair. Wipes his beard down. His look says it all. What have I done? Interior. Ten forward. The lounge is deserted. Lights very low, creating the implication that it is very late. Picard is seated at a table facing out the windows. An empty glass stands before him. He is turning it, turning it, turning it. His expression is death-weary and very sad. Guinan is at the bar puttering never taking her eyes off the solitary figure. Finally, she can stand it no longer. Drying two drinks, she slides from behind the bar and crosses to him. Do you mean his argument was that good? Riker's presentation was devastating. He almost convinced me. You've got the harder argument. By his own admission, Data is a machine. That's true. You worried about what's going to happen to him? 
I thought to send people on far more dangerous missions. And this should work out fine. Maddox could get lucky and create a whole army of datas, all very valuable. Oh, yes, no doubt. He's proved his value to you. In ways that I cannot even begin to calculate. And now, he's about to be ruled the property of Starfleet. That should increase his value. In what way? Well, consider that in the history of many worlds, there have always been disposable creatures. They do the dirty work. They do the work that no one else wants to do because it's too difficult or too hazardous. And an army of datas, all disposable. You don't have to think about their welfare. You don't think about how they feel. Whole generations of disposable people. You're talking about slavery. I think that's a little harsh. I don't think it's a little harsh. I think that's the truth. But that's the truth we have obscured behind a comfortable, easy euphorism. Property. But that's not the issue at all, is it? He leaves without another word. He knows what he has to do. Interior. Courtroom. Everyone in their original positions. Picard starts his opening argument. Commander Riker has dramatically demonstrated to this court that Lieutenant Commander Data is a machine. Do we deny that? No. Because it is not relevant. We, too, are machines. Just machines of a different type. Commander Riker has also reminded us that Lieutenant Commander Data was created by a human. Do we deny that? No. Again, it is not relevant. Children are created from the building blocks of their parents' DNA. Are they property? I call Lieutenant Commander Data to the stand. Picard has Data's travel case with him. He opens it. What are these? My medals. Why do you pack them? What logical purpose do they serve? I do not know, sir. I suppose none. I just wanted them. Is that vanity? And this? The book. A gift from you, sir. You value it? Yes, sir. Why? It is a reminder of friendship and service. Picard activates the hologram of Tasha. And this? You have not a portraits of your fellow crew members? Why this person? I would prefer not to answer that question, sir. I gave my word. Under the circumstances, I don't think Tasha would mind. She was special to me, sir. We were intimate. Philippa sits up. Thank you, Commander. I have no further questions for this witness. Commander Riker, do you want to cross? I have no questions, Your Honor. Thank you. You may step down. I call to the stand Commander Bruce Maddox as a hostile witness. Riker and Maddox confer. Then with a shrug, Maddox seats himself in the witness chair. Verify. Maddox. Bruce. Commander. Current assignment. Associate Chair of Robotics. Daystrom. Technological Institute. Major Papers. Yes. Yes, yes. Suffice it to say, he's an expert. Commander, is your contention that Lieutenant Commander Data is not a sentient being, and therefore not entitled to all the rights reserved for all life forms within this Federation? Data is not sentient, no. Commander, would you enlighten us? What is required for sentient? Intelligence, self-awareness, consciousness. Prove to the call that I am sentient. This is absurd. We all know you're sentient. So I am sentient, but Data is not? That's right. Why? Why am I sentient? Well, you're self-aware. Ah, that's the second of your criteria. Let's deal with the first, intelligence. Is Commander Data intelligent? Yes, it has the ability to learn and understand, and to cope with new situations. Like this hearing? Yes. What about self-awareness? What does that mean? Why am I self-aware? Because you're conscious of your existence and actions. You are aware of yourself and your own ego. Commander Data, what are you doing now? I am taking part in a legal hearing to determine my rights and status. Am I a person of property? And what's at stake? 
My right to choose. Perhaps my very life. My rights. My status. My right to choose. My life. It seems reasonably self-aware to me. Commander, I'm waiting. This is exceedingly difficult. Do you like Commander Data? I, I don't know it well enough to like or dislike it. But do you admire him? Oh, yes, it's an extraordinary piece of... Engineering and programming, yes. You have said that, Commander. You have devoted your life to the study of cybernetics in general. Yes. And Commander Data in particular? Yes. And now you propose to dismantle him? So that I can learn from it and construct more. How many more? As many as are needed. Hundreds, thousands if necessary. There is no limit. A single Data, and forgive me, Commander, is a curiosity. A wonder, even. But thousands of Datas... Isn't that becoming a race? And won't we be judged by how we treat that race? Now tell me, Commander, what is Data? I don't understand. What is he? A machine. Is he? Are you sure? Yes. You see, he's met two of your three criterias for sentience. So what if he meets the third, consciousness, in even the smallest degree? What is he done? I don't know. Do you? Do you? Do you? Well, that's the question you have to answer. Your Honor, the courtroom is a crucial. In it, we burn away irrelevancies until we are left with a pure product. The truth for all time. Now, sooner or later, this man, or others like him, will succeed in replicating Commander Data. And the decision you reach here today will determine how we will regard this creation of our genius. It will reveal the kind of a people we are, what he is destined to be. It will reach far beyond this courtroom and this one android. It could significantly redefine the boundaries of personal liberty and freedom, expanding them for some, savagely curtailing them for others. Are you prepared to condemn him and all who come after him in servitude and slavery? Your Honor, Starfleet was founded to seek out new life. Well, there it sits, waiting. You wanted a chance to make law? Well, here it is. Make a good one. He takes his seat. It sits there looking at me, and I don't know what it is. This case is dealt with metaphysics, with questions best left to saints and philosophers. I'm neither competent nor qualified to answer those. I've got to make a ruling, to try to speak to the future. Is Data a machine? Yes. Is he the property of Starfleet? No. We have all been dancing around the basic issue. Does Data have a soul? I don't know that he has. I don't know that I have but I've got to give him the freedom to explore that question himself. It is the ruling of this court that Lieutenant Commander Data has the freedom to choose. Data walks over to Maddox. I formally refuse to undergo your procedure. I will cancel that transfer order. Thank you. And, Commander, continue your work. When you are ready, I will still be here. I'll find some of what you propose intriguing. Data leaves. He's remarkable. You didn't call him it. Maddox leaves. You see, sometimes it does work. You buying? Interior. Observation lounge. Riker sitting alone in the darkness, staring out the windows as the stars rush past. Data enters. Riker does not turn. Sir, there is a celebration on the holodeck. I have no right to be there. Because you have failed in your task? No, God, no. I came that close to winning, Data. Yes, sir. It almost cost you your life. Is it not true that had you refused to prosecute, Captain Louvois would have ruled summarily against me? Yes. That action injured you. 
and saved me. I will not forget it. You're a wise man, my friend. Not yet, sir. But with your help, I'm learning. Riker clasps Data's shoulder, squeezes, as they shake hands, and we fade to black. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> so, did that please you? Did it meet your expectations? What was your impression of doing the table read? I think it went above and beyond my expectations. We so really, did it. Yeah, I didn't expect people to commit so much to, you know, my little goofy project. I thought it was just <laughs> kind of something that would I was doing for myself, and then people ended up really giving some of themselves to it, and I think it was it was really fun. Stardate! Yeah. <laughs> I want to. It's like now all my impressions of Captain Picard are going to be impressions of Bobble doing, doing Picard. Captain Picard, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and in this case, I mean, this was, like, to me, the strength of the episode, like, the what the actual episode has as far as emotional content is so strong that even though people were doing it with uh, not the d- different intonations, several of, you know, I think most of the people involved had never necessarily seen that the episode, episode beforehand. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Editing it. Because I did edit it, uh, <laughs> I still got the feels. Yeah, I still got the the core of the episode, kind of the. Yeah, it's just like it's like seeing like bad Shakespeare. I hear the lines, and they they still get to me because the lines are so strong. So yeah, I guess that's a testament to the like caliber of writing. Uh, bravo, Dorothy Fontana. Like I said, I did edit it. There are a couple of retakes, <laughs> notably one. <laughs> The one that I think we should uh, we should play because you could hear Bobbles Picard impersonation. Sometimes there were like flubs and he like he like said words wrong, but he had so much energy that I didn't want to. He just plowed through it. Yeah, he. I didn't want to stop. stop him. No, you know, I, I didn't want to say, "Can you say that again?" Because at the time we weren't really taping a show. No, you know, it's, it was just like a lark. Yes. An afternoon lark. It really was up to you if you wanted to retake a line, if you felt you read it wrong. or so I, I remember doing it. Mm-hmm. And maybe I was editing in my head at the time already. You know, no, those stuff. are just like, your natural reflexes. Though. Right. Podcasting yeah. reflex. But uh, there was one that we'll call a bloop, an extended blooper. Yeah. It's like two minutes long trying to say one <laughs> word. So I'm going to plug it into the edit of this show right now. So let's listen to it. Then I will rule similarly based on. Uh, then I will. <laughs> then I will rule simil, sim, summarily. Okay. Similarly. Then, <laughs> <laughs> then I will rule similarly. Similarly. Well. Summarily. Summarily. My God. Then I will rule. Oh, I was gonna say it. Then I will rule summer. Summer. Oh no, I had it. Damn it! Then I will rule summer, s- summarily, 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 summarily. Okay, thank you. Then I, <laughs> then I will rule summer, summer. Oh my god! <laughs> I saw you said ah, right? Summarily. Summarily. Wasting valuable time. I've just capitalized the a. <laughs> okay, so summer, summarily. 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 Okay. Merrily, 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 merrily. Life is but a dream. Yeah, it feels like a dream. (laughs) Okay. Then I will rule summit. Oh my god. Merrily, merrily. (laughs) Merrily. 
Okay, okay, tant mieux. Some, some, merrily. <laughs> okay. You got it. Then I will rule summarily. Summarily. Is that it? Summarily? Yeah. Yes. Did I say yes. She's ruling summarily. <laughs> you did it. Okay. <laughs> Then I will rule summarily based upon my findings. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Isabel. Some words are harder to say to French people. It is basically the thing that's happening here. You know, we're all francophones, really. And it's not that the the sounds are impossible to say. It's that the where you put the accent on the word yeah. is not natural. Because in French, there are no accents on words, so so to speak. It's it's all just like one monotone, I guess. Where you say summarily, <laughs> you know, summarily is, is really simple to say. But where do you put that accent, where it is in that sentence, how it butts against other words? Sometimes somebody can have a... <laughs> Uh, a problem with such things. Yeah, there's four syllables. Where's the emphasis? Like it's a yeah. <laughs> where's the emphasis? <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a Frenchy kind of problem. Yeah. And Isabel was a good sport, not Very. only redoing it many times, but also allowing me to play the blooper. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely very kind of her. Any last thoughts about any of this? No, I mean I hope it's as enjoyable to listen to you know, a bunch of strangers reading the table read as it was to, to do it. I mean, this is something that you might try to do at home. Yeah. Uh, just a Google, whatever script you'd like to read. Script or transcript. in Because they are out there. There's quite a yeah. few for TNG. All of Star Trek and all of Doctor Who, probably, there are transcripts. Mm-hmm. Or at least modern Doctor, like the contemporary yeah. Doctor Who series. There are transcripts. And that's just name line You know, and as for people that have done it, you've seen it, then it's very easy to get into the, that groove. Do you want to reinterpret it? Are you trying to do an impression of the great scenes that you remember well? This is something you can do over Skype, Zoom, uh, Discord, whatever your anything, yeah, yeah, your preferred Facebook chat, the whatever phone, your favorite, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the phone, yeah, exactly, Face. Time, whatever. There are many, many platforms, and people are still looking for activities to do uh, remotely mm-hmm. uh, as to, to promote social distancing. And yep. maybe you have friends that live far away, and this is actually a fun thing to do between fans, I think. Yeah, maybe it's not even a social distance thing. Maybe this is just how you and your friends hang out. Yeah, so create a hangout, get a script. In, in the edit, which I tried to make it a show, like, To, to make it sound like a show, but obviously I think we just went through it. But there are still moments before, after, and even during where we're laughing it up, where uh, you know, where we were enjoying the performances. Yeah. So try that out, people. It's kind of worth it. Thanks again for doing this, Chloe. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for posting this. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. You know, thanks for doing the podcast now, and thanks for organizing the thing in the first mm-hmm. place. Uh, I hope people thought it was a fun diversion. I'll let you go. I'll stick around for subspace transmissions, that Star Trek news, and listener feedback on our previous episode. All right. So which is the hottest Marvel character? Iron Man. Eight Man. I can't decide between Professor X and Magneto, so both. Loki. Is Wolverine Marvel? What about uh, White Tiger? What about uh, White Tiger? Uh, <laughs> Doc Samson. Who's Doc who? Uh, Star Fox. That's a video game. <laughs>
The girls go on a journey to determine every Marvel character's hotness in Ohatmu or Not, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe podcast you didn't know you wanted. Available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Incoming subspace transmissions in Star Trek news. Well, I guess the most obvious announcement is that Captain Pike's Enterprise, as represented in Discovery Season 2, will get its own series called Star Trek Strange New Worlds. The the three stars of the show, Anson Mount, Rebecca Romjan, and Ethan Peck, took to social media mid-May to say they could finally tell the world that by popular demand it would happen. And while, yes, there has been fan support, I think CBS has been planning this all along. Discovery Season 2 spent a lot of its budget... Uh, and, and, you know, screen real estate creating new TOS-ish uniforms, an Enterprise bridge, and then promoting the show further in the last batch of short treks. They probably didn't want to steal Picard's thunder by confirming this too soon. Anyway, the showrunners have said they hoped the show could tell the story of Pike's Enterprise right up to the point Kirk takes command of the ship, filling in that gap between Discovery and TOS, They are bringing in the executive producer of The Magicians, Henry Alonzo Myers, to work on the project. But obviously, it's too early to talk about casting the other characters on the show, or if there will even be any of the ones we met in the cage. One thing the producers did say was that Strange New Worlds would be a more optimistic and episodic show uh, than either Discovery or Picard. Closer to a due date, we now have more details about the animated comedy Lower Decks. It seems it will be canonical, despite the comedy stylings, we knew that. And to this podcaster's surprise, it will not be set in the TOS era, but rather soon after Star Trek Nemesis. The stories take place on the USS Ceratos, a not very important ship in Starfleet, Uh, and every half hour focusing on four misfit ensigns that have their little plots while the big Star Trek plot rages overhead. Quirky senior officers will also be part of the fun, and looking at the art, it looks like we'll see a Cation for the first time since the original animated series. The first 10-episode series should come out later this year. A Captain Janeway monument is set to be unveiled this October in Indiana, an event that was originally supposed to take place last Memorial Day weekend in the town of Bloomington, which is established to be Janeway's future birthplace on the show. This is the crowdfunded initiative of the Captain Janeway Bloomington Collective fan group, who, working with the town, identified a spot on the Beeline Trail next to the Wonderlab Museum in downtown Bloomington for the Bronze Bust. This is, of course, not the first town to build a memorial to a future hero. Uh, Riverside, Iowa has a monument to James T. Kirk, for example. And now a selection of your comments on our previous episode, the dreaded Alien Bracket. Now, these shows are always kind of popular, but also bring a lot you know, a lot of disappointment. Rob Kelly, for example, says, entertained yet angry. And that's his lone comment. And really, it's the only natural response to a Bracket Fight episode. David S. Gutierrez uh, similarly says, entertained and eternally disappointed by the outcomes of these Brackets. And don't worry, that's the comment on fireandwaterpodcast.com, where most people leave comments. 
but he did send me uh, a number of uh, private messages to that effect as well. Alan W. Wright says he completely understands these feelings to think that the oppressors of the Bajorans were given this prestigious award. I fear this both sides approach to Bajoran history is another sign of our dark period of history. Uh, on the other hand, Mark Alamo, Andy Robinson, David Warner, and whoever's playing Zial this week, I think there's a good argument there. As for the Vulcans in the Kelvin timeline, they must have a survivor's complex too. That's an interesting point, but he doesn't really count the Kelvin timeline. Chris Franklin says, based on how these things have gone in the past, I shouldn't have been surprised, but I still am. Not comic book movie bracket surprised, but still, yet, as the others have said, entertaining. An interesting perspective from a uh, not-so-much-of-a-Trekkie, Ryan Daly, says, First, as I've mentioned, I've only watched maybe 15% of Star Trek. I've seen the original series, 10 out of the 13 movies, and a tiny handful of episodes of Next Gen and either Deep Space Nine or Voyager, not sure which. So these bracket episodes aren't really for me, and thus... Second, I didn't listen to the entire episode. I hung in there for the first half hour or so, and then I skipped ahead to the Elite Eight round. From that point on, however, I was highly impressed because of how predictable I found the results. If you ask me what are the most important alien races in Star Trek, I would have said uh, the Vulcans and the Klingons, because those are the mainstays from the original series that I've seen. Those are the races that everyone, in fact, has heard of, not just Trek fans, but Truly everyone. People know those names because they're part of the popular consciousness. And even though I don't know much about Deep Space Nine, what I've heard about it from Gimme That Star Trek and other shows has always emphasized the Ferengi and the Cardassians. So even though I didn't fill out the bracket sheet, if I had, my finalists would have included Vulcans, Klingons, Romulans, Cardassians, Ferengi, and Bajorans. And all six of those made the Elite Eight. And four of them made the Final Four. After some of the previous bracket shows on this network, I found the results of this contest the most pleasant and reaffirming of my limited Star Trek knowledge. So we had at least one satisfied customer. I'll remind you that the Fire & Water Podcast Network has a Patreon page at patreon.com slash fwpodcast. If you like this content, want more like it, think about leaving a one-time or monthly donation. It even unlocks rewards. For example, for $5 a month, you could get yourself on the Starfleet commendations list like Division Heads, John and Maggie Schaefer-Hames, and Commander Doug Van Diver. These guys keep rising in the ranks. Join Doug, John, Maggie, and I in the fleet at patreon.com. You can leave comments as well at fireandwaterpodcast.com on the fire and water facebook page or on twitter where we are fw podcast you can also follow the show on spotify until the next episode this is siskoid reminding you to go boldly <laughs> <laughs>